Hey, Bloody Disgusting team. This is Shelly from Indiana, my first time calling. So I have decided to sit down and watch Suspiria, the 1977 one, I believe. And, you know, it got me thinking, this is something I've never watched, and I know it's kind of a cult classic for people. So what are some of those titles you suggest that maybe people haven't quite watched, but you feel they should, those old classics that people just kind of put off and think, oh, you know, that's not something I'm going to watch. Can't wait to hear what you guys have to say. Thanks. Thanks, Shelley. I don't have an answer for this. <laughs> I tried. I really did try. Uh, but like the pre-1980s are so far outside my wheelhouse. It's more that like you'll tell me about it. Or, like I've said in the past, it's so old, like Hexen or Nosferatu or something, that they probably already are classics that everybody already knows about. So I don't know that I can help. But I think Megan and Xena can. Megan, how about you? I kind of was trying to figure this one out because it is tricky because I feel like we're in an era uh, of at least horror fandom where we we just want to find all of this, those discoveries you know i don't know that there really is i i was i kind of re- thought about like putting myself in this one and i'm i'm with shelly in the sense that you know italian horror was a huge blind spot for me mm-hmm. um because i was a monster kid i was obsessed with monsters so i loved demons and then anything i saw beyond demons I was too young really for because I feel like there's a lot of um, kind of sexual content to Italian horror, like Mm -hmm. a lot of sexual repression or, you know, there's killers that are sexually motivated or whatever. And I was just too young for that type of stuff. I wanted monsters. I didn't care about actual killers with black gloves or whatever. So I just kind of put that on the back burner and ignored it for a long period of time and then actually went back as an adult and was like, holy hell, this was a massive blind spot. So I think uh, on that, using that frame, it's international horror in general, I think, is a massive blind spot for for everybody across the board. Like we, we share a neighbor, neighboring border with Mexico, but there's so much of their horror that has yet to really be embraced or even a, a, an awareness of over here. So probably a lot of that. If that makes sense. I know that's super vague, but I feel like the, no, we, we don't have enough does. time to, to dig into that. How about you, Zena? Yeah, um, I'm kind of like on the same page with that. I know for me, a huge blind spot is Hammer horror films. Like, mm-hmm. as a kid, I just really didn't have, like, an interest. I wasn't always so big on, like, you know, the timepiece movies. Yeah. Um. So, but what I started to notice now, um, that I come across a lot of people who have not seen uh, The Exorcist who have not seen uh, Rosemary's Baby, who have not seen hmm. Cat People, like from 1942, you know, even like uh, Ganja and Hess, which I think, obviously, it's not going to be for everyone, but I think that you should just experience it just once just to see how you feel about it. So I would recommend movies like those. And then, of course, Sugar Hill from 1972. Oh, because, you know, she Silver is the fiercest <laughs> dresser. Ah, she's just you fabulous. You a fashion icon. Like, that, that's your gal. She's amazing. But no, like that's what I've noticed. Um, and, and there was this weird thing. So I met this uh this young woman. She's probably like 22, right? Mm-hmm. Um, she went, she was this was like way back like last summer. She had plans to go check out like uh the new candy man, right? 
Okay. And then she was just saying how she she didn't know it was a remake. And it's just like, girl, what? But she didn't, you know, or, or like uh, that, that there's a first one, but she didn't know. And yeah. it's just like, okay, you need to watch the first one, you know, yeah. like just, just check it out. So, but obviously she was like 22 or 23, you know, so, and I do think that now, yeah, people are trying to watch some of the old stuff. Yeah. But I do think that when it comes to like those cult classics, like again, like The Exorcist, for some reason, I do come across a lot of people who's just never seen it before. How could there be a person who's never seen a movie like Rosemary's Baby, though? That's ridiculous. How could you call yourself? (laughs) (sighs) I swear I'll watch it one of these weeks. You you know, you're not the only one. I mean, it's just there's a lot of things to watch. I, I totally agree. No, everything you said, it resonates with me, too, because a lot of these older movies that are classics, for whatever reason, they're just maybe because they're labeled classics, mm-hmm. then I'm like, oh, they're there. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll get to it sometime, yeah. you know, as opposed to someone's like, you ha-, like nobody's like come up to me and said, like, you have to see Rosemary's Baby. Like, like, oh, OK, I will. <laughs> I promise. At some point. Uh, as opposed, you know, as opposed to like the fervor, like like Megan was saying, like people's like discovery. People love discovering things now. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that discovery is something from like 15 years ago. It's just they're Gen Z. And for them, it's like, yeah, this is brand new. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I totally I totally get that. And I was even thinking that. But I was like, is it wrong for me to say movies that I haven't seen that I feel like everybody else has? Yeah. But that but that could be a lot more of us these days as Mm -hmm. more and more people are finding horror and the transition and and what we're really seeing done in the space our second question comes by email from dan hey dark trio i love listening to the podcast during my work day i hear a lot of movie and book recommendations i'm a casual horror comic book reader do any of you dabble in comics if so what are your favorites i just completed a four-part series titled stephen king's n highly recommend great work and stay bloody thank you dan Thank you, Dan. I'm I'm not directly a horror comic fan. The the closest I could say would be like graphic novels that I got into. Mm-hmm. Alan Moore stuff from Hell, League of Distinguished Gentlemen. That counts. Or League of Extraordinary. It's just what? that that counts. Oh yeah. Yeah. It does. I, I think I think I'm thinking more. I guess a lot of I guess a lot of graphic novels are uh, collections of issues. single issues, yeah. and I don't I don't get like single issue stuff anymore. Like back in the day when I'd like read like X Men or, yeah. or things like that, and but like League League of Extraordinary Gentlemen is insanely dark. If you've seen the movie with Sean Connery, it is not that. You it don't is say brutal <laughs> on so many levels, like. The first book alone, there there's a lot of bad stuff going on. Um, but yeah, like From Hell and Alan Moore, like his run on Swamp Thing, uh, Grant Morrison with um, uh, Arkham Asylum, uh, Neil Gaiman's run like Punch and Judy. Some of the Sandman stuff can get pretty dark. Um, yeah, so it's more, uh, probably uh, maybe more mainstream like the more well-known comic book writers like Grant Morrison and Neil Gaiman and Alan Moore. Um, I don't know. How about you, Megan? I feel like you've talked horror comics before. Yeah, I'm not, like, super well-versed, but I went with, like, some of my favorites that are kind of 
I don't know, necessarily off the beaten path, but probably not as prominent for people that are outside, I guess, the comic world. So last year was the autumnal, at least the collection in, in a graphic novel after I think six separate issues, but the autumnal by Daniel Krause, it's a very like folk horror mom and her kid start a new life in a town and they're all afraid of the leaves and it's a little wicker man-ish and wilds and gory. Ooh. So that one's really good. Um, I happened upon, it was like a, a table full of free comics at, uh, at South by and there was a shiny cover of a comic book by Joe Hill um, called mm. The Plunge, and it was the first issue out of six, and I'm positive it's since been collected into a graphic novel, but I only had the first issue, and I'm hooked because it's aquatic horror. Some weird aquatic <laughs> horror stuff. Uh, so I that's on my list to finish. Uh, Afterlife with Archie. It's like we take the Archie comics, but we throw you know Lovecraft into the mix, and things get nice. wild. I'm pretty sure Jughead is a werewolf. Um, so yeah, <laughs> it's it's my kind of weird. Um Another one that I started and loved and need to finish, Nailbiter by Joshua Williamson. It's a uh, kind of like Seven, you know, the the movie, but Ooh. it pushes the gore and, and the horror big time. Basically, Oregon, the town in Oregon, has somehow produced 16 serial killers. There's something off with this town, and a profiler <laughs> that goes there goes missing. So the lead character teams up with this infamous uh, serial killer called Nailbiter. Like, that's his moniker. Um, so, yeah, things get pretty gory and weird. It was good. And then the last one is um, one that's not fully horror, but it's a, like more of a genre-bending sci-fi by the, the minds behind Saga. That's another popular comic series. It's Paper Girls. And I recommend that one. It is like, it's a long running series, but you can get a huge omnibus for it. But um, it's been adapted by Amazon in an upcoming series. Like they've even teased kind of like a brief little teaser recently. So that'll be coming out soon. So it might be something, you know, fun to put on your radar. Hmm. Whoa. Just so you said just a little bit. What? <laughs> 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 just a, just a peek. Just a tad, just a, just a little bit. That's, that's a little toe dip into the world. <laughs> little sous-son. How about you, Zina? You got anything? Um, I'm not really a comic book reader like that. Um, I mm. wish that I that I was more into it because it seemed like it's it's a good time. Um, but way back, like when I was in high school, maybe like 2003, 2004, I used to read the Walking Dead comics, you know, oh, before yeah. the show came out and stuff. Count it. Yeah, I was just obsessed with zombies. I'm still obsessed with zombies. You I'm are still. Kidding. Where's zombie gal? So, yeah. Speaking of obsessed with zombies, welcome to the Bloody Disgusting Podcast, everyone. The podcast where we discuss all the disgusting things we love in the horror world. And to discuss the disgusting, you know her as the movie critic for Bloody Disgusting, horror movie fanatic and journalist Megan Navarro. Hey, Megan. Hello. You know her from YouTube channel and website Real Queen of Horror and her infant love for the genre, Zena Dixon. Hey, Zena. Hello. And I'm John. If you're listening to this on a Wednesday when the episode drops, we hope your week's been filled with all the best kinds of horror. And if not, we're going to do our quick round the table for the movies, books, games, or anything else in horror that are making the three of us smile right now. Maybe there'll be things that'll make you smile too. So, Zeno, what's been filling your heart this week? Just real quick, doesn't it feel a little bit different? Just a little bit different right now? Just in general? Yeah, just in general. Uh, I don't know. Everything's. <laughs> what's the line from um, uh, the, the stand up special with um, the guy who was like locked in his house for six months? What? I can't remember his name. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I, it's driving. The it's, guy uh, who was in Promising Young Woman. Yeah. Oh. Uh, oh, this it's is literally called and, Inside, I'm pretty sure, is the special. Yeah, I think so. Uh, everything's terrible all the time. 
is basically okay. what I'm thinking. Okay, why do you mean well, terrible? Well, yesterday, Sunday, was <laughs> Megan's birthday. Yeah! Oh, I see why we're uh, going with this. I was like, yeah. what, what's happening? Is the weather, <laughs> is there bad weather ahead? What is going no, on? No, <laughs> no. Bo Burnham, by the way. Bo Burnham. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> it's a great stand-up special. It's just really dark. We have to sing her happy birthday. It's Aww. your birthday. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, let me just get into what I watched instead of just We do saying. not own the rights to happy birthday. We will not be singing that. Oh, then I want to dance. Give me a little jig. <laughs> what was That's that? That's video content. We'll be saving no for idea. somewhere else. That was. Okay. John's dance noise is insane. <laughs> My my dance noises are just as good as my dance moves. <laughs> I'm but going to a wedding like this weekend, and I am going to embarrass myself. Let's let's start the. No, I guess technically we'd be bringing Hump Day weirdness when this drops. Sure, and listening to yeah. John's crazy dance noises. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. So uh, the first thing I checked out, uh, Monstrous, uh, 2022 on Vudu. Laura and her seven-year-old son, Cody, drive to a remote home in California to flee from her abusive ex-husband. The family is threatened by the possibility of his return, as well as the presence of a monster lurking in a nearby lake. So this is the director who, um, his name is Chris Siverston. He directed I Know Who Killed Me from 2007, as well as All Cheerleaders Die. So like those movies, you do have to have a certain taste with going into this movie. It is an indie film, but it is very polished. And I felt like there's something like really intriguing about it. Like, first off, the poster, I absolutely loved it. So that's what made me like check it out. As well as Christina Ricci, she's in this and I just love her. But, you know, I felt really engaged while watching this movie. Um, it's a horror mystery with some twists. I'm not going to lie. You may be able to see some of the twists coming, but I still found it like really enjoyable for me. Plus, I have a habit of sometimes watching like the same type of movies, you know, mm -hmm. and I kind of like getting stuck in this kind of thing. So I don't watch too much movies that is on, I don't want to give it away, but has to do with this movie, you know? So um, there, there's some monsters that's involved in it. Uh, there's a slice of life that's in, involved with it as well. Um, but yeah, I really did enjoy it. Just know that when you, you know, if you do plan to check it out, there's a lot that's going on, but yeah. I enjoyed it. Um, then the second thing I checked out, I Madman from 1989 on Tubi, a bookshop clerk um, and a wannabe actress starts seeing this disfigured killer from her 1950s pulp novels who comes to life and he starts killing people around her. She tries to convince her cop boyfriend, but no one believes her. And apparently it's like nobody cares. They just yeah, let this man just run wild. <laughs> <laughs> so this director, uh, Tabor Takis, I'm probably pronouncing it wrong, but he the directed gate. The Gate. Yeah. Even the uh, in the sequel, Randall uh, Randall Cook. I think I, I might be botching his name, but he plays the the Madman. He also mm -hmm. did stop motion animation, as well as stop motion animation, like a lot of the effects for the Gate. Whoa! Very cool. Yeah. So that guy, um, well, that director, <laughs> he directed the Gate, the the Gate sequel, um, the Trespassers, and Sabrina the Teenage Witch from the one from the nineties. So yeah, there's this woman named Virginia. She works at this bookstore, and she's really into like horror novels. And uh, she discovers this one rare 
uh, mysterious book called Much of Madness, Much of Sin. It's the first of this two novels wrote by a man named Malcolm Brand, but she's having a hard time finding the second book, which is called I, Madman. But she doesn't have to worry because the book finds her. I mean, she should have just burned it, but she didn't. (laughs) She decided to read it. And basically, the more she reads, the more it starts to become true. It's basically about this insane doctor who goes around chopping off people's nose, uh, like their noses, their ears, their hair. And he puts them on his face in order to please this woman that he's trying to, like, get notice him, get to notice him. And it's like, how is that going to work? But, um, yeah, he's very uh, scary looking, very goopy. Like, there's like a lot of... (laughs) juices going on on goopy, his face yeah. goopy <laughs> goopy but what yeah juices um, going on okay that <laughs> he's, was a bad he's oozy he's he's, he's oozy <laughs> yeah thank you okay so but yeah now um and again she just keeps on reading the book and then she just starts to notice that there are dead body dead dead bodies that are piling up around her and it's like girl just stop reading the book but by the time she realizes <laughs> it you know it's like too late and you know, what's pretty cool is um, this one stars Jenny Wright, and she was in Near Dark. We yeah. all agreed. We, we love that movie. Mm. Yeah. So, um, oh, and then the the boyfriend, who well, the guy who plays her boyfriend, he was in April Fool's Day as well as just one of the guys, which I thought was pretty cool. But, yeah, I had a lot of fun with this one. The reason why I checked it out, this was another one that I just went based off of the, the poster. I really yeah. I never heard of it before. Uh, I didn't watch the trailer or anything, but I really enjoyed it. It's very much an 80s movie. There's a little bit of sleaze that's in there, but it's definitely a good time. And it's available for free on Tubi. Wonderful. Nice. Uh, I checked out volume one of Stranger Things season four. It is dropping on Friday, May 27th. It is a really weird split. It is episodes one through seven that arrives on May 27th. And then the last two episodes uh, are volume two. That's July 1st. I will Why tell do you shows though. shows keep doing this? Yeah. I will tell you though, that like all of these episodes are very long. They're at least an hour and 15 minutes per. And oh, the final geez. episode that comes in volume two is two and a half hours long. So it is not a very bingeable series anymore it is like watching a whole bunch of you know feature films um plot wise it's been six months it's been two years since we got to see season three but it has been six months since the battle of starcourt mall um they've all grown a foot and a half yeah yeah well i think they were practically like adults last season so not not a whole lot's changed but they they well in terms of look but uh, they're they're kind of scattered everywhere. You know, the, the buyers and clan move to California, um, Hopper is in Russia, and the rest of the kids are kind of, a lot, lot of high school growing pains. Um, but then there's this Aww. supernatural threat called Vecna and uh, adds that to the mix. It's, it's a very, it's a mature, like a, it's a darker season. Um, it, it's, embraces the horror more fully if you love stranger things in these characters which i do then it's still it's still a good season i have i, I really like it I'm, I'm i'm obviously trying to skirt around spoilers because i do not want to spoil a thing um i will say though that being that we're four seasons deep and this season is gargantuan in size uh it struggles a little bit with stakes i feel like you know not that i want some of my beloved characters to die, but I also don't feel a sense that they ever could, which kind of deflates yeah. some suspense a little bit. Um, that's probably okay if, uh, you know, cause I know that this is a, a show that has wider appeal and it's like this huge, you know, marketing 
machine and a lot of families watch it. So that's a good thing. But when you're embracing horror, because A Nightmare on Elm Street is probably the biggest influence on this entire season in a lot of ways. Um, hmm. So it's cool that there, you know, there's more mature themes as these kids are rapidly approaching adulthood and you're really embracing the horror. There are some pretty gruesome deaths that happen, hmm. but your lead ensemble cast feels kind of untouchable. So I feel like that's my one qualm. Not that I'm like, I want them to die, but I, you know, I feel like if you're going to give me this crazy supersized season... Uh, make me feel some stakes here. Like, I feel like oh, this no. is a supernatural war that'll be no problem in the end. I don't know. <laughs> I have a but, feeling yeah, that's, that's... that one of them might, you know, in the next season. Maybe. Um, I mean, like, yeah. I kind of would like that to happen. I'll get hate mail for this, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sorry. I mean, I love, I love Steve, the babysitter. I love a lot of these characters, but um, I think we're starting to slip into storyline patterns that... I would like them to overcome. And again, it's all hard to gauge because I'm only seeing like three fourths of the season out of the whole thing. So, and my favorite parts are when they come together, but uh, I know this sounds like I watched it and hated it. I don't. Uh, I'm just like, I really liked it because I can't not like Stranger Things. That's just my caveat there. They're just your strong feels coming out of it. Yeah, I I, re I really do. Like, even even with these problems, like, I still had a really good time. And I still was like, what's going to happen next? So, you know, take my complaints with a grain of salt, I'm guessing. Um, and then the other thing that has consumed my life is Evil Dead the game. I got it on PlayStation 5, but it is uh, cross-platform. Um, it's only a couple weeks old. And... It's a multiplayer game. You step into the shoes of Ash Williams and all of these other characters from the first three movies, plus Ash vs. Evil Dead, the series, and you uh, work in teams of four to fight against different classes of demons or deadites. And yeah, I mean, that's kind of all there is to it, but I'm absolutely obsessed. I have, like, thrown... The remote, I haven't actually thrown the remote, but like those solo mission, solo missions are brutal. I'm not looking forward to the fifth one, but yeah, I can't stop. Can't stop. Can't I heard stop. it sold like a half million copies already. It sold too. really well. And there's so much, yeah. so much potential for like additions. There's two maps, two really, really, really big maps, but then it's like Castle Can Kandar could be, yeah. that's going to be a future installment. Like, I th yeah. I think I heard that they were going to do that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's No, really I mean fun. that's also just awesome to hear that it's like not just a horror video game that sold really well, but a horror video game from a beloved franchise. Yeah, with with most of the voices like actually yeah. participating. So it's awesome. Awesome. It's fun. Speaking of fun, I did all my homework this week. Yay. So let's start with Xena's wow. that I I unfortunately missed last week, and I do say unfortunately, and I mean it. Okay. It's 2020 Spontaneous, which I watched on Amazon. Get ready for the outrageous coming-of-age love story about growing up and blowing up. When students in their school begin exploding, literally, seniors Mara and Dylan struggle to survive in a world where each moment may be their last. All right, Zena, why this one? I just wanted you to have a nice time. I personally don't really know how to feel about the movie. I liked it. Um, I watched it twice, you know. Um, but yeah, I just kind of just wanted you to live your best life. I did. 
I don't know. I, I, I feel like there were these little clues, like this movie was going to be way darker than I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. And maybe some people are going to watch it and think it's way darker than it is. I thought it was adorable. Like beginning that granted, yes, there's a couple of moments where yeah. you're supposed to like feel bigger feels, but I didn't get that at all. What? I was just really what? A... Not, no. not once. I mean, like it's it's a lighthearted uh-huh. comedy, and then and then it makes you cry. It made me yeah. cry. Uh, I yeah, felt really kind of. What it, like? What now? What now? Yeah, I know what you're saying, and I get what you're saying, but for her character. And the arc of the story and everything else. No, made sense for me. It's like, there, it's sad. Sure. There's a specific like, moment. It's not the moment you're probably thinking of, but a later moment that did it for me. Oh, during the conversation? Yeah. Aww. Okay. I get that. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, and, and that's no spoilers, but I mean, I can't, if, you, if that was a spoiler somehow, I have no idea how to <laughs> we, figure that we out. We just Morse coded that out, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was pretty good. Uh, I highly, I had a lot of fun. I thought it was great. The only, my only issue with it is Mara is so much cooler than any high schooler who has ever existed. <laughs> yeah, she is. But, but man, if all high schoolers were like that, I wouldn't have hated high school quite so much. <laughs> Or maybe I would have hated it even more because I'd see people like her and be like, why are you so cool? <laughs> but it, it was, it's great. Like the combination of, so like going through high school and the potential metaphors of what's actually going on. But the fact, it's funny because movies, in my opinion, like horror movies that have metaphors within them or morals within them don't actually address what's going on. Mm. Like, like they do in this, where they're very overt as to being like, why in the hell are we blowing up? Yeah. Like, they're trying to give reason to it. So it kind of takes metaphor out of it instead of something that's just happening. Uh, I thought it was great. I thought it was really funny. It was really sweet. It was, yes, it, it was definitely emotional, but I thought mm-hmm. in a really great way. Like, it's dark, for sure. And some people might watch and be like, that was so like that was so dark i'd be like you your high school life was really good (laughs) if you thought that was dark yeah i'm glad that you enjoyed it you know i'm glad that you had fun with the gore and the charm and the magicalness of it 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 was great it's not one i would have picked out because generally i stay away from high school themes in any movies or tv shows but i very much enjoyed it it was a very good pick thank you Zena. you're welcome and then uh, which is quite possibly the sweetest two <laughs> movies I have ever watched back to back, let alone in horror. Oh, did you know? Like the the guy who directed uh, Spontaneous, he wrote the story. Like the story's by him. Oh, yeah. for man, Love and Monsters, we're connected. Yeah, okay, sorry. that totally makes Brian that Duffield. absolutely makes sense. Yeah, I was like, how did you guys pick like the two sweetest horror <laughs> movies that I've ever seen in my life? Yeah, this is this is why I picked this one for you. Which we're referring to 2020's Love and Monsters, which I also watched on Prime. Seven years after he survived the monster apocalypse, lovably hapless Joel leaves his cozy underground bunker behind on a quest to reunite with his ex. Uh, And Megan already said why she selected this for me, because it's super sweet. And it's... I love this movie so much. Yeah! Joel is so funny. His just he's trying so hard (laughs) and he's largely failing but he's stumbling into luck 
and everything else. And I am going to go ahead and say that anyone who hasn't seen it won't know the reference, but Clyde and Minnow is the greatest duo in any apocalyptic movie ever. (laughs) I want a movie of nothing but Clyde and Minnow. (laughs) They made me so happy. Like that dynamic was so sweet. It's Michael Rooker in it. And I thought they were going to be in it way longer. Yeah. And then they're like, nope, see ya. Yeah. Yeah. We're just passing ships in the night. Yeah. Which also might've lended itself. I mean, that's kind of the, 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 great balance of not only supporting roles um, in as far as actors are concerned, but in stories, it's that right amount between, okay, if actors are in it for too long, they have to exist within the story arc of the dramatic issues, the rising tension, the, the, the conflict, whatever. And they don't. Clyde and Minow just exist to be awesome. And I love it so very much. Uh, but it's it's so funny and irreverent and sweet, and it's just like I could totally have just I could I could have just watched it again yeah. right after I watched Aww. it the first time. Like if you ever need a horror palate cleanser, absolutely watch Love and Monsters. If you ever just want to watch a good funny post apocalyptic monster movie, Love and Monsters. If you want to watch something that was nominated for an Academy Award. Love and Monsters. I think it lost, what did I see? It lost out to Tenant for special effects or oh, something. Yeah. But it's like, okay, well, yeah. Aww. But all things considered, <laughs> like, they had some really great monster effects in the movie. Um, yeah, no, it was great. I was I was very happy watching these, considering what I ended up having to watch for the bonus episode. We're going to record for Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> I should have watched these after that. Oh, cool. Um, and then and then I started playing Dante's Inferno on Xbox. It's something that I what? got off Game Pass. It's definitely horror related because it's it's based on Dante's Inferno, the 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 epic poem and it's the seven layers of hell and it is dark as shit. <laughs> like it is <laughs> like they made it dark. Like I I don't know if it came up before God of War or after God of War. Uh, it's very God of War esque as far as like the gameplay is concerned, and it's just like the demons are disgusting, like the the purgatory aspects, the moaning souls, wailing. Like it's just like I play for like a level or so. I'm like I just feel bad. <laughs> no. Well, that's <laughs> yeah, terrible. Like, yeah, it, yeah, it's super dark. It's like a fun game to play. It's a slasher kind of problem solving, whatever, like a good way to pass the time. I'm sure I'll play it while I'm editing this later just because it's a, a thing to do. But it's dark. Like, I don't play a lot of horror video games, mostly because a lot of horror video games are survival horror, and I do not like sneaking around. I do not like conserving bullets. Oh, <laughs> it's not yeah. fun for me. I want to waste all my ammunition and know that more is right around the corner. Um. We yeah, Dante's Inferno on Xbox Xbox Game Pass. Wonderful. So, before we move on, what are we watching? How do we watch it? I checked out Monstrous on Voodoo and I, Madman, on Tubi. Stranger Things Season 4, Volume 1, which is as big of a mouthful as the season is. Um, <laughs> it's uh, on Netflix on May 27th and Evil Dead, the video game on PS5. And I watched Spontaneous on Amazon. Love and Monsters on Amazon, and play Dante's Inferno on Xbox. All right, before we move on, it's homework time. So what am I going to be watching next week? I think Xena's up first. 
Okay. Um, well, what are you in the mood for? Are you in the mood for something fun? Or do you want to be surprised and witty? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Narrative okay, down. Well, we were talking about um, oozing and juices earlier. Have you oh, seen Jesus. the girl on the third floor? Oh, oh. No. Okay. That <laughs> one is on Netflix. Whatever Megan reacts to. <laughs> Have fun. It's, it's definitely juicy. Oh, All right, Megan. Well, maybe damn. something drier. <laughs> okay. Uh, I've got a couple options, so I'm going to toss the first one out to see if you have seen it. Uh, okay. Odd Thomas. I've never seen Odd Thomas. All right. That's... I see it used to pop up on my Prime, I think, all the time. All right. That that's on Prime a... Video. Good excuse. Cool. Okay, so Odd Thomas on Prime. Zena, would you say The Girl on the Third Floor was on? Netflix. Netflix. Oh, I'm actually going to have to watch Netflix. All right, enough about what we've been watching this week. It's Heather Megan to bring us up to speed on the news and trending topics in the world of horror. So what's going on, Megan? This year, mark well, really, next month, marks the 40th anniversary of John Carpenter's horror classic, The Thing. Yay. And Fathom Events is celebrating by putting it back on the big screen for two nights only on June 19th and June 22nd. John Carpenter announced this on Twitter with a video, a really cute video. Um, in it, he said, I love making this movie, and I'm so excited that people can celebrate it and see it in theaters 40 years later. Um, you can head to fathomevents.com for tickets and information, you know, like where it's playing near you. So that's very cool and noteworthy because it's one of my top five favorite movies ever. Um, and this one is John news. I feel a little bit, uh, while Alex Proyas has gone on to do several big studio movies, he's best known to horror fans as the director of the crow and the criminally underrated dark city. Oh, so underrated. Yeah. See, that John needs news. to show up on streaming. People need to discover it. Cause I'm sure they're not renting it. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Well, he's uh, going to return to our genre with his first straight out like horror film. It's called sister darkness. Um, it's, mm currently in the can market right now um it's described as a macabre female driven fever dream of revenge and gothic terror with deep franchise potential sister darkness is set in 1930s uk at a time when women were marginalized and exploited it follows the newlywed but unhappy alice who stumbles across her doppelganger isla whose existence is a mystery steeped in a tale of bloody retribution against her oppressors the hellish supernatural nightscape and a dread uprising against the deceitful aristocracy it's a word salad a little bit uh but proyas's primary vision is inspired by uk horror movies of the 60s and 70s with deep reverence to stuff like the innocence and legend of hell house i think those are pretty cool uh movies to serve as inspiration so i'm i'm intrigued i love when directors come and do straight horror um And then we, I think it's been a long time since we've probably talked about it, but um, after breaking records and raising over a million on Kickstarter, YouTube critic Chris Stuckman's horror movie Shelby Oaks is currently filming, which means that casting info has been revealed. The cast is pretty nice for this movie that, yeah, it's kind of a bit found footage-ish. It will include Camille Sullivan. She's in Hunter Hunter. Uh, Brendan Sexton III, who is in Don't Breathe 2, Michael Beach, Robin Bartlett, who is in Shutter Island, Keith David, speaking nice. of the Yay. thing. Yeah. 
uh, Emily Bennett, who is recently in a movie called Alone With You, and Sarah Dern. So good. Uh, this is shot as a traditional feature, but with some elements of found footage. Shelby Oaks is a horror film about missing paranormal investigators. Uh, the dark legacy they uncovered and the far-reaching effects their investigation has as Mia searches for her sister, Riley, the lead paranormal investigator, 12 years later. As Mia uncovers new and disturbing leads related to Riley's disappearance, she uncovers evidence of a hidden supernatural evil dating all the way back to her and Riley's childhood. Uh, Hunter Hunter's Camille Sullivan is playing the lead role of Mia, which I think is a really good get because Hunter Hunter is she's so good in that movie. Uh, Stuckman wrote and will be directing, or he is directing since it's in production, uh, Shelby Oaks for Paper Street Pictures. And he's actually going to be documenting the process as a sort of indie filmmaking school for young filmmakers as well. So it's kind of like this dual behind the scenes kind of class, but also making a horror movie. So yeah. so cool. Yeah, we talked about, I feel like we talked about that a long time ago. Well, at least a year ago, wasn't it? I feel like time has no meaning anymore, but it feels like it was so long ago. Oh, good for him. I hope it rocks. Yeah. All right, listeners, your turn. Uh... <laughs> See, now I've just totally brain farted. See, I was just excited listening to all the news, and then I'm like, I don't know what to say. <laughs> I think that's a good transition. Yeah, John doesn't know what to say, so why don't you call me up and tell me what to say. The number is 224-475-1040. number's also in the show notes. Or feel free to email us at pdisgustingpodcast.gmail.com. Finally, Xena's going to make all our lives easier in the sea of horror movie options. And clue us on what's appearing soon that we should be watching. So, Xena, please save me. What should we be watching? <laughs> um, well, of course, Bloody Disgusting TV, which is also available at bloodydisgusting.tv or Screenbox. Uh, check it out. It's amazing. So, Thursday, the 26th, we have a banquet. It'll be available on Shudder. A widowed mother is radically tested when her teenage daughter insists a supernatural experience has left her body in service to a higher power. That one sounds really interesting. Then we have on Friday the 27th, we have two things coming out. Stranger Things Season 4, Volume 1 will be available on Netflix. Check it out. Megan really enjoyed it. (laughs) Then we also have Zero Contact. Uh, This one will be available on VOD. Produced in 17 different countries, entirely virtual, virtually during the 2020 global pandemic, Zero Contact follows five characters based on all across the world, connected only by their devotion to the late founder, Finley Hart, which is played by uh, Anthony Hopkins. The characters are then forced to work together to shut down Hart's most secret invention, a machine that's either the solution to mankind's problems or the end of the life on Earth. I think this one sounds pretty interesting. Um, you know, a little sci-fi. Then we also have on Monday the 30th, we have The Bad Seed Returns on Lifetime Channel. Just because it's a Lifetime movie doesn't mean, guys, that there's not going to be heads rolling and dead bodies <laughs> piling up because That's... I have seen it. Oh, so, wow. That's uh, a Lifetime this... change. You, you hit me up next time that happens. Be like, tune in I to will. this movie. I will. It happens. I swear. It does. Okay, so this one stars McKenna Grace as Emma. We love her so much. She's adorable. Um, again, it is a made-for-TV made horror drama, but just give it a chance. So after the murderous events that left her father dead, 15-year-old Emma, seemingly typical teenager, is now living with her Aunt Angela and navigating through high school. But the darkness can only be hidden for so long, especially when Angela's husband, Robert, begins to suspect that Emma may not be as innocent as she appears. And a new girl at school named Kat seems to know know emma's secrets from the past so you already know that you know emma is not gonna pretend anymore she's just gonna start killing people like she was doing in the first one and getting away with it it was pure chaotic 
Then we have on Tuesday, the 31st, the horror thriller Row 19. It will be available on VOD, DVD, and Blu-ray when several flight passengers suddenly suffer from suddenly suffer gruesome unexplained deaths. A young doctor on board begins to suspect the shadowy, shadowy, terrifying force behind her own worst childhood nightmares may be responsible. So there you go. And that's the Bloody Disgusting Podcast for this week, everyone. If you'd like to read more from Megan, you can check out her reviews at bloodydisgusting.com and on Twitter at HauntedMeg. Xena can be found on her own website, realqueenofhorror.com, and the YouTube channel of the same name, or at LovelyZena on Twitter. And you can hear me on my weekly horror narration podcast, Creepy. Don't forget to hit subscribe on your favorite podcast app, and feel free to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at BeDisgustingPod, or drop us an email at BeDisgustingPodcast at gmail.com. So for this week, I'm John. I'm Megan. I'm Xena. Grab some popcorn, cozy up on the couch, and watch something you love. Just make sure it's something bloody. Mm-hmm.